Today's topic, as it has been for the last few days, is on books that have transformed my business. Um, the other day we talked about Jim Camp and his No, the only tool you need for home and business. Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play by Mahan Khalsa and Randy Illig. And that was yesterday. Today, we're looking at Value-Based Fees by Alan Weiss. The subtitle on this is How to Charge and Get What You're Worth. This is part of his consultant series of books. A lot of them are very detailed. He works with big, big, big companies. But the principles that he brings to the table are available for consultants and professional service businesses of all kinds. So what we're going to do is kind of go over a little bit of the liner notes and, and talk a little bit about the value-based fees book. And then I'm going to give you a couple of examples of how value-based fees might make the difference as opposed to dealing with just straight hourly. First of all, on the liner notes, I'm going to read this uh, right straight off. I do like old school books, real books, right? So... This one reads, Alan Weiss shows how consulting fees are dependent on only two things. Value provi provided in the perception of the buyer and the intent of the buyer and the consultant to act ethically. Many consultants, however, fail to understand that perceived value is the basis of the fee or that, that they must translate the importance of their advice into long-term gains for the client in the client's perception. Still others fail to have the courage and the belief system that support the high value delivered to clients, thereby reducing fees to a level commensurate with the consultant's own low self-esteem. Ultimately, says Weiss, consultants and not clients are the main cause of low consulting fees. That's very much a very true statement, very much. You know, if you think you're only worth this and you charge this, that's what you get. It's your fault. If the client says yes, then, well, that's fine. But to you, it's your pocketbook. It makes a difference. So the book has been updated since. This one is from 2008, so I keep my books for a long time, as you can tell. And uh, I really wanted to kind of quickly pop into some of the chapter heads throughout this book. So you kind of get an idea of how the whole process works. So in terms of chapters, the concept of fees is the first one. Will people actually give me their money for my advice? Yeah, that's it's critical. I mean, you have to be the first person you sell anytime you're selling advice. Anytime you're selling work of any kind, you have to know you are the one that is capable of handling this. Number two, the lunacy of time and material models. Number three, the basics of value-based fees. Number four, and if you only read one chapter in this book, how to establish value-based fees. This is one of the most powerful chapters in the book because it talks about how to establish your unique value, how to create the good deal dynamic. It's a good deal for everybody. It's not this win-win thing. We talked about that with Jim Camp. It's they get their needs met and we get our needs met. 
If we get some wants in there, that's great. But, you know, this is a good deal dynamic. The incredibly powerful choice of yeses. This is where I got the idea of the ABC environment on proposals, where A, where A is bare bones. It's based solely maybe on their perceived budget. B is exactly what they asked for and nothing else. And C is what I like to call the kitchen sink, where we're creating an offer stack. We're not just doing what they asked for. We're actually providing things to them that are an offer that are above and beyond the project that has been scoped out, but will be very useful for them somewhere along the way. This might include one-on-one -on -one training with management, for example, right? So how we go through this is key. And again, that chapter is it's absolutely powerful. Chapter five, how to convert existing clients, also known as correcting your own mistakes. Chapter six, the fine and high art of using retainers. Chapter seven, and I like this, 70 ways, that's right, seven zero ways to raise fees and or increase profits immediately. Think about that. That alone is value. How to prevent and rebut fee objections. Now, you've heard all the objections before. We all know them. We know them by heart. We could probably, you know, repeat them in our sleep. If you know what those rejections are going to be and objections, you need to deal with them in the beginning. Now, the only thing I can think of that represents an objection that we get in this kind of a scenario when we're talking about value-based fees is from a finance department who wants to break everything down into an hourly fee. And it's like, no, we, we don't do that. We don't care how many hours are spent. We care about the results at the end. Remember with let's get real or let's not play? Opportunity, resources, decisions, exact solution, results. We're consultants. We're in some form of consulting, no matter what we do in professional services. We have to deliver results at the end. That's all that really matters. Chapter 9, setting fees for non-consulting opportunities. This is good. It's usually for like working with advertising bureaus and marketing environments, things like this, that, that aren't really non-consulting environments. Uh, so, you know, it's a good, good chapter. Chapter 10, fee progression strategies. Why you fall behind when you stand still. Chapter 11, technology and fees. Now, remember, this is a 2008 book, so my version might have, you know, the version you might get would be probably, I would think, quite different from this. Then Alan provides, uh, what is it, uh, six different appendix sections. And these are all good because they'll help you in the process of meeting with your client and digging out the value in the first place. Appendix A is questions for qualifying the economic buyer. The economic buyer is not the person you meet with. It's the person that actually pulls money out of the budget and says, yes, that's your economic buyer, generally speaking, especially in corporations. Appendix B, questions for establishing business objectives. Appendix C, questions for establishing measures of success. How will we know when we've succeeded? Appendix D, questions for establishing value. Appendix E, 
questions for assessing personal value contribution. I didn't quite get that much out of that because usually mine are team environments, but that's just my business. And in Appendix F, the difference between inputs and business outputs. Massively important, all of this. But let's kind of get to, um, you know, we're eight minutes into this, so I'm going to go through and kind of hit a little bit of a strategy here in why value-based fees are important to bring into your business. You may still, like an attorney, you may still charge to go to court, but maybe you do half day or full day rates. You're doing a case, but you're you know the the target in um, in the case in court is subject to somebody else's schedule. Well, you know how long are you going to be there? How long are you going to wait? You never know. So this is something you can think about. You can get away from the hourly if you need to do hourly. You can, and I'll give you a little bit of a structure on how to handle that in a few minutes. Your strategy is to look at something and either extract the value that it's worth to your client or extract the output and use that as your basis for, you know, like a, an industry target. Something, if you're working with one type of industry, it might be different from another type of industry. That gives you something that you can hang your hat on. Or if you know how long something is normally supposed to take, I'll give you a little formula for that in a minute, but it's going to be, it's going to help you if you have these targets of roughly what everybody would do. You've, if you've done this for more than five minutes, you know how long something should take. So let's talk about, now that we've kind of got the strategy there, and the mindset is, we're worth every penny that we ask for. I want to make that really clear. Your strategy should always include you are worth every penny that you ask for. No one can take that away from you but you. All right? So let's keep that in mind there as we go into the tactics of this. So I'm going to give you a, a scenario. We have a client here. This is entirely fictional, just simply for the purposes here. We have a client that they're underperforming their targets by $100,000 a quarter. So $400,000 a year. They want to get to $500,000 plus a quarter or $2 million every year. That's a $600,000 difference between those two points. You may say, well, Randy, you know, that's worth $2 million. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Getting to five hundred dollars from minus $100K is six hundred dollars Let's not confuse that. And that's per quarter. So even though the target is looking at five hundred dollars a quarter or $2 million a year, the difference is six hundred dollars per quarter or $2.4 million a year. Now, that's the real value. That's the one that you don't want to get confused about because everything works off of that. Now, for this particular industry that you're dealing with, maybe you want a value-based fee that is roughly 35% of what they have on the table. You might think, hey, that's a lot of money. It's like, well, yeah, it is. This is worth solving 
it's $2.4 million difference a year for that client. 35% of that by itself is $840,000 a year. Now, if we're doing something that's low risk, that we know we've done it before and we've done it often, that the client is meeting what we're looking for, we're going to be actually working with that client directly. We have direct access to the economic buyer for questions and issues. Then we have a risk factor of zero. So we're going to take 35% and add it zero to it. You know, 35 plus zero equals 35%. So our fee will be $840,000. This is a one-time fee. I want to clarify that. It's just once. They get to make that $840K every year after this as long as they're doing this. But let's say you don't have access to the economic buyer. You're having to spend a lot of time dealing with finance to, to deal with all this stuff. You're having to spend time with people that aren't invested, that are probably going to put some pushback on you. Your risk factor now might be as high as 15%. So you, what you're going to do is take that 35% and add 15% to it. You now want 50% of that $2.4 million difference. You're going to charge $1.2 million to fix that problem or help them solve that issue, get that result. That's a $360,000 difference. I can tell you that if you point that out to the right person in a company, especially somebody at the top, they're going to look at that and go, get these blockers out of the way. I don't want to pay $360,000 extra dollars that I don't need. Get this handled and things will move. That's something you can put on the table. That's an example of arriving at a value-based price. It's not complicated, but it's looking at a few factors. Now, let's say you do something like uh, computer repair. Normally, everything is done by the hour. You know how long a job takes. Uh, let's say a computer reinstall. It's roughly three hours. When their best, real good, qualified person is sitting there, you know, they're, they're waiting and doing all the patching and everything. Let's say it's three hours, which is pretty good, actually. And you're going to charge $150 an hour. Now, normally, that would be $450. But if you run into a problem, the price is going to be higher. That's, that's, that's kind of the way hourly works. What we do is we say, at least in my, in my environment, I'll take that $450 and I'll mark it up 20%. I want it 450 times 1.2. This is going to get us roughly at over 500. We're going to round it up to 550. And we're going to say that that reinstall is $550 every time. Now, the benefit to the client is they know what the price is. It won't change. It won't matter who sits in there to do the job. And it won't matter if you get the best person or if you get just an average person, you're still paying the same. You're going to get the results you're looking for. It takes longer to get it done. Well, that's no skin off of your nose as a, as a client. On the other hand, in the business, usually when you've got these hourly things, people want the best person in the company. Well, that person is often the owner or somebody high in the food chain and it takes away from the running of the business. You don't want that. You want to get the best person in there for you to take care of the client the way they need it to be. 
You put the most effective person in there, get them in, and it's not necessarily the highest person in the company. There's another byproduct that comes from this kind of a job when you're doing hourly is that if you're a busy person, like most of us are, you take phone calls, you get emails that you have to respond to while you're doing jobs. In the client's mind, and if you were the customer or client, you would be thinking the same thing too. This person goes out to take a phone call and they come back, I'm still paying for their time when I'm on a by-the-hour environment. In a value-based fee where it's a fixed fee for this, right? We know the value of, of doing it is probably right around that. So it's, we can walk out and take those phone calls. We can do that email. We can say, you know, there's a problem here. I've got to go deal with it. I'll be back. We'll get this going as quickly as possible. Or I'll get somebody else in here. They're still not paying more than $550. The idea is, and this is fixed fee, right? Which is also part of value-based fees. Not fixed rate, fixed fee. Now the client has no pressure on them to keep you out of their business. Their role now is to get you in, fix the issue, and get you out when it's reasonable. There's no benefit to getting you out faster when the price is the same. The results are the only thing that matters. So this is something to kind of think about. The value-based fees gave me that same kind of a thing when I do you know, when my company does reinstalls. If we know the environment, we charge a lot less because we can go in, we can image a machine, knock it out. It's got all the basic software already there. And maybe it's $350. Now, no other IT company that's sitting there can afford to put a high engineer doing that kind of reinstall for $350 if they normally bill at $150. You're going to steal some competition away. Nobody's going to be able to steal it away from you. That's a, that's a major key thing. And when you start talking about this value-based fee with risk and, and you start associating elements of success, you can actually look at these, these differences in, the, in what you're going to make for the client and give them a solid idea of the value you present and the value they get in return. What is their return on investment? Even if you don't hit the target, maybe you only get 50%. Even if you charge 50% in a high-risk environment, you know that they're going to break even the first year or the first quarter or the first month, however this is defined. We want them to continue using this process we put in play or the solution we put in play or what have you. And we want them to gain benefit off of it year after year after year without further expense. That's a key factor in a value-based fee environment. A lot of that is covered in this book. Some of it, as I said, is, you know, it's my own framework of how I do things. Read the book. Definitely take the time. It's not a huge read. The version I have is, oh, under 250 pages. So 250 pages, 
of massive value on how to actually deal with the questions you're looking for, the things that they're looking for as a client, and you're going to match those two up, get to a price that everybody can be happy with. That matters. So for now, I'm going to sign off. Tomorrow's going to be a book that, you know, most of my books that I've had are, you know, 2008, 2010, you know, a lot of older books. And I do really read the physical books a lot of times. Tomorrow, the book I'm going to bring to you is a 2020 book. It is one that changed my whole thinking about how I market my system and market my business how I, as a professional, present myself. And it's made a massive difference in a very short period of time. So we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Meanwhile, this is Randy, the budding entrepreneur, signing off for the day, wishing you only the best for your business here in 2021. Take care. Thanks.